thank you for your greatness. We bless you for your goodness. We thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your tender mercies. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for our salvation this evening. Thank you for your blessings upon us. Thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. We bless you, we honor you, we praise you, Lord. We thank you for the refreshing that comes from you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's just take our seats. Let's take our seats and let's just dive quickly into the message tonight. Amen. Praise God. All right. from being <laughs> oh, oh, you are close to being delivered. Praise God. And then we contrasted that to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And when you read a little more down in that same passage, you notice he finished talking about trust and by the time you get to verse uh, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions. So, so we've seen again this connection between trust and honoring God with money or with substance, or with possession. I, I'm saying that I don't want to go that far tonight in the, in, the, in the passage, but I want you to see that connection right away because that's what we've been talking about, how he uses money to train us in how to trust him. Amen? Amen. So he said, trust in the Lord. Amen? And do not lean to your own understanding. Now, when you look at that verse of scripture, it's almost like a command. Yeah. It's almost like a command. But the truth of the matter is, it's actually not a command, but an exhortation. If I was to ask the question tonight, how do you define trust? Let's even do that. Tell me, how do you define trust? What does trust mean to you? Rely. Being obedient to the Lord. What? Reckless abandonment. <laughs> Following without questioning. That's, that's all. Obey. All of, all of them are good. So trust, for me, from me, from all of us, has to do with us having confidence in someone's ability to do what they say they're going to do. 
But if I, well, I know you will. But the truth of the matter is, that is a very shallow definition of trust from the biblical perspective. That is a very, very shallow definition of trust. In the Bible, trust means to go quickly for refuge and to be confident and sure and to be secure. Amen? So, and with all of Shelter from pursuit, danger. Whatever it is, run to me. I'm your refuge. I'm your place of safety. I'm your security. In me, you'll be secured, no matter what the situation is. Amen? Okay, so now, let, let's, let's, let's go on now. How, if that's the case, God says I should trust him and lean not to my own understanding. Can you imagine you've been to Harvard, Cambridge, UT, UGA, Emory, all Aside. Trust me. Don't Don't Refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Now look at verse 10. That's the key. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So right there, the scripture gives us the clue as to how to develop trust. What, what do you see from that scripture? Talk to me. In verse 10. You have to know him. You have to know him. So the beginning of learning to trust God is knowing God. That's so simplistic, it just flies over our head. He's saying, if you're ever going to get to trust me, you have to know me. Is, is that not familiar? Is that not almost normal? You have kids, toddlers, two, three years old. They're crying. There are a lot of adults around. When the mother or the father shows up, what happens? They just calm down. They need no training. Somehow, when they see their father or their mother, it sends a message that it's going to be all right. Everything is fine. And they just come down. Now, in the meantime, all the other people around them were not hurting them. <laughs> no. But there's something about, oh, Papa's shown up. Mommy's here. And it just calms everything down. So that word no there is saying, get familiar with God. Get to understand his ways. Psalms 103. Moses knew the ways of God, but Israel only his acts. 
John 17 verse 3. And this is life eternal. That you get to know him. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the issue here is knowing him. The more we know him, the more we can trust him. The more we get to be familiar with who he is, what he said, and his nature and his character, the more our confidence level goes. Let me give an example. Uh, we are working with the church right now. I won't mention the name because uh, I'm not sure if, you know, how this message can get out. Uh, a particular situation happened, and there came a vacancy in this church. And uh, so people are talking, and who's going to be the next pastor, blah, 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 blah. Uh, people asked me. I gave my opinion. Uh, people asked uh, a few other people that I know. They all gave their opinion. The opinion was the same as what I gave. Uh, me and Pastor Dollar started talking. He said, what do you think? I, I gave my opinion. He said, yeah, that's the same thing I think. So we all in agreement, all of us were in agreement about this one individual. But the church was moving in a different direction as far as the selection process. But what happened, what I found out was, the more I got to interact with this person that the church was leaning towards, the more I got to interact with him and get to know him and get to hear from him, my comfort level with that decision just rose significantly. So the next time I saw Pastor uh, Creflo, he said, well, you know, you've been there, what happened, what do you think, blah, 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 blah. I said, you know what, this is crazy. I said, I know what I told you, but now how I feel. I said, in interacting with this guy, this is what I see, A, B, C, D. And he said, man, dog. I, you know, I spoke to him, I feel the same way. How did that happen? Interaction. Getting to know him. Do you see what I'm saying? All the reservations I had prior to that time just, just, just totally, completely disarmed. So the more you speak to an individual, the more you interact with them, the more familiar you get with them, the more you get to know them. Trust can only be built in the context of relationship. The reason you trust your wife or your husband is because you have a relationship. That's the reason you don't go to Urban, Urban Avenue downtown and trust a harlot. I don't know where women go. I'm sorry. I don't, I'll give you. Is there a place where women go and pick up a man? I don't. I don't. <laughs> so, you, know I mean? you don't trust. I mean, people interact with harlots and prostitutes, but they don't trust them. They just do it for the thrill. There's no relationship there. So, if you and I are going to ever trust God, we need to get in the habit of speaking to him, reading about him, and just getting to know who he is. Amen? Amen. That's number one, but that's not all. Going back to that scripture, in Psalms 9, verse 10, it says, and those who know, what do they know? Your name. This is huge. Not just knowing him, but knowing his name. Names are very significant. That's why I, when I hear people just going to Google to find a name to name their child, I'm saying to myself, are you kidding me? It's not just about Google. Names are hugely significant. In fact, not only is it significant, it's a good indicator of what's yet to come. That's why God changed Abraham's name to Abraham, the exalted father Abraham, to Abraham, the father of nations. Huge. That's why he changed Jacob's name, who's a trickster, to Israel, one that has prevailed with God. That's why he gave Jesus the name Jesus, because what? He'd be the savior of his people. Now, in scriptures, what does the name mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means a mark or memorial. 
a mark or memorial of an individual, or rather of an individuality, honor, authority, and character. It speaks to the renown of a person. <laughs> Do you guys understand what I'm saying to you? It's not just a name to call them. It's a mark. It's a memorial. What's a memorial? Something by which you remember something else. The name points to something. This is huge. Let's go to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verse, yeah, verse 14. You know the story? Abraham was about to offer Isaac. God stopped him. And in verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, let me ask you the question. And that, that, that the Lord will provide is Jehovah Jireh. We all, have we ever heard that? You have heard that before? Now, isn't it interesting that God did not call himself that? Abraham, based on his encounter and experience with God, gave God a pet name. At a point of need in his life, God showed up, met the need, and he said, whoa, this place forever will be called the Lord will provide, meaning Jehovah Jireh. So whenever, if ever Abraham ever passed that place, what does he remember? He remembered the provision of God. And he says, this is your... God didn't, God didn't call himself that. Now, these are names we used to pray. Jehovah Jireh, God, the Lord, my, provi my provider. We say that. He didn't call himself that. But Abraham said, you know what? Based on your dealing with me, on your faithfulness to bless me, I'm calling this place Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> Go, go with me to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. This is the story of Hagar. Okay? Upset, running away from his mistress. And in her affliction, Genesis 16, 13. Oh, no, let me, let me. Genesis 16, verse 11. Let's start from verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear his son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? So Hagar names God Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees me. God didn't call himself that. She was stuck in the wilderness. And she, she was so desperate in her situation. And in that desperate situation, God called her. Out of nowhere. And she said, what? Really, God? Right here? You know who I am? You are seeing my condition? You see my situation? Are you kidding me? Me? Me, old Hagar, a slave? A handmaiden? A servant? Ah! She said, my goodness. Your name from today, as far as I'm concerned, will be Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees. Now, why am I giving you all this information? Let me give you one more. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Israel was fighting the Amalekites. 
God gave them victory. They won. They defeated those Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17. And as a result of that victory, Moses called the victory and called God, rather, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord God Abana. Again, God did not call himself that. Moses named God. He named him on the basis of his experience, on the basis of what he's encountered, on the basis of what God has taken him through. So remember the scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and leaning not to your own understanding. Could Abraham have leaned to his understanding to provide a ram in a bush? No. 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 Psalms 9 verse 10 talks about how we should trust, rather, we should know his name. And that in knowing his name, we will be able to trust him. Let me read it one more time. Psalms 9 verse 10. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. So the question tonight is, do you have a history with God? Do you have a history with God? That's the question. What is your history with God? What memorial, what mark have you placed in your life that recalls and reminds you of something great that God has done? What's your point of reference? If you hear the name Jesus, what's your point of reference? Do you understand what I'm saying? You guys are looking at me, my God, do you dig ditches all day? You hearing? What's our issue with God? Huge. If I'm going to learn to trust God, I need to know him and mark or have a memorial of something he has done that always brings me back to the center. Whatever's happening, I'm struggling, I recall that situation, I say, oh God, you are faithful. Faithful is your name, oh God. How? Why? Because I remember that incident, that situation, that circumstance, that place where everybody said it's over, it's not going to happen, you are going to go down, and God showed up. You know, we look at Genesis 22, we look at Abraham. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why and how was he able to take his son and ready to offer him? If you read that verse 21, Genesis 22, it says, after these things. After these things, there had been a history of an experience and encounter with God. After which God can now escalate the test and say, now, you pass elementary. You pass high school. Now let's go to graduate school trusting. After these things, God now said, take thine son. Thine only son whom you love. Because by now, Ishmael is already out. How did Abraham get to that mindset where he could obey God? How? You have to go back to the beginning. The man was 75 years old. Tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and nothing has happened. To the point where he's totally complacent, you know what? It's over. The servant in my household with my inheritor. I was already at peace with that. Expecting nothing else to happen until God knocked on his door. Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Are you kidding me? You want, you want to come and joke with me? I mean, I'm going to have to go to CVS and buy me some drugs if that's going to happen. I'm going to need some help. Because in the natural, this thing has not talked to me in a long time. Not to talk about my wife. Ngozi, why are you laughing? Ngozi found out very, very funny. God spoke it. And even when they made a mistake and went into Hagar and brought forth Ishmael, God said, you, you, you are not hearing me. Ishmael is not the one. Your wife, whom you think is over with, that's the one that's going to have it. And then God said to him, at this self-same time, this next year. 
more specific. And it happened. And it happened. So the man had an experience with God, had an encounter with God, had a mark, a memorial of the fact that this God, a God that can quicken the body of a hundred-year-old man to give, it, give, give birth to a child. I'm ready to go on any journey with this God. What's your history with God tonight? Let's talk about that. Because if we are going to develop trust, we must know him, know his name, meaning a mark, a memorial, something significant that God has done that you can recall. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we overcome him by the power of the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. Do you have a testimony? Yes. Yes. That's how we overcome. When enemy is saying, no, no, don't give your last $5. Don't try it. Don't try it. Don't try it. And you remember how God delivered you. Don't do this for this person. Don't do it. They, are, they don't like you. They don't like it. And you remember what God did to forgive you. You know how we do when it comes to the issue of forgiveness? Forgiveness? We say, okay, I'm going to, okay, all right. Philip, I, I forgive you, but I just don't want to have anything else to do with him. I forgive him, but I've never had anything else to do with him. Really? Remember how what Jesus said? That we should love them as he has loved us. When God forgave me and you, did he say I would not have anything to do with him? No. That's not God's kind of way. Your questions. Let's talk about it. Are you ready to go sell your house tonight and give the money to the poor? I, I think he's a, I, she's a, he's a real estate agent. <laughs> First of all, why would why, why, why we will not do that? Let me answer the question for you easily. I don't want you to be scratching your head. We will not do that because you've not passed these things. So in other words, God is not going to start you out Developing your trust by something that high when you've not gone through the other smaller things. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's how you know that this, in fact, may not be God. After these things, then he said to Abraham, let's escalate it. Go give your son. Genesis 21, he had given Ishmael. He had sent Ishmael out of the house. That was a tough thing because he loved Ishmael. And he actually played with God. And God said, no, Ishmael is going to go. But I will bless him, but he's got to go. He let go of something. And then God escalated it. But in the escalation, God still vindicated him. And came in and was faithful. Amen? So I'm saying to you, first of all, you, learn, you start learning these things because God is not going to ask you to do something for, of which he has not before then prepared you. I don't want you to hear this message and just think and go... You go someplace and somebody comes up and says, okay, you need to do this. And you think, you're, no, you need to understand these things are progressive. They're progressive. Any questions or comments? Yes. Um, quick comment. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess knowing God, uh, as, as you would say, as I would say, it, is a progressive thing. Yes. We, we know, I mean, at different levels. Yes. And I guess what you're saying is, with Abraham, when he talked about after all these things. Yes. Case in point, um, my uncle came to town to visit, to Houston to visit, just to visit. He came in in August. He is 81. He had never visited the state, so he came to visit. And just before he left, um, you know, just said, oh, by the way, since you are here, let's just go to this clinic and do all your physicals, um, or what have you. So they do all the physicals, and everything is good, except for his PSA. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> his PSA level was 37. Normal PSA level 
is for a healthy male adult is about four. And wow. his PSA level was 37. And this is a functioning guy. I mean, he has a huge farm. He still goes to the farm and everything. Eh? He can't relate. <laughs> so, so but, any, but anyway, um, 37 PSA. So uh, at first he said, well, you know what? Um, I will go on to Nigeria. He was getting ready to board a flight like three days later. And when they called me and I said, 37? No. This needs to be further evaluated. There needs to be a biopsy. Let's see what it is. You know, um, fast, long story short, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. This is somebody that is all active and everything. He is a member of a large church. He's a deacon in a large church in Nigeria. So, you know, and it's so funny that we're talking about this today because we went through a process that really God showed himself. He just got back to Nigeria today. So I called just to see Uncle Hai, you know, and he's like, Ibuku, uh, you know, he says to me, ah, now I know God loves me. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, <laughs> you're a deacon? <laughs> I, no, I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, he said, now I know God truly loves me. Yeah. Ah, I will serve this God all the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, so when you see something like that, the experiential knowledge where the man heard the C word and he was like, hey, let me go and put my affairs in order. But based on the things that were able to be done and, um, you know, to God be the glory, we didn't have to go through surgery and, you know, um, hormones are taking care of all of this. You know, it's on a medical regimen. All we believe is going to be well and will Amen. be well. Amen. But it was just his testimony of him saying that. And I had to think back and say, you know, for the longest, you know, you are, I mean, every last Friday of the month they're at this place. And, um, you know, he's the deacon. He's always up there with, you know, but it's the experience, his personal experience. In Mark, in Um, last Sunday, you gave, uh, I mean, you made a statement which is so important, and at times we may miss it. You said, in terms, when you were talking about the minister that gave his car several times, but you said that whatever God tells you to do, for us to be instant in doing that. Um, I've heard Maybe Pastor Hagen once said that a minister gave his car and somebody else said, oh, I'm going to give mine. And he gave it out. And he walked years. There's always the spirit of competition, which is not bad in one way. <laughs> because a brother, let's say we want to raise money for the building fund. Somebody in neighbor says, oh, I will give 1,000. And I say, oh, I should be able to give 1,000 too. But you said, whatever God tells you. Because he didn't ask all people to follow him. He didn't ask Zacchaeus to follow him. So how do you advise or maybe encourage us to be careful about the spirit of competition? Same because somebody gave a car, I'm going to give my car, and you may never get it. Okay. Let me read the scripture. Let me give you a scripture. Exodus 25, verse 2. Exodus 25, verse 2. 
This is God talking to, talking to Moses. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Okay, so God wants an offering. But look at the next sentence. From everyone who gives it willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. From everyone who gives it willingly. Remember, it's God that works in on us. Both to will and to do is good pleasure. So you know, Telling me to give something and I don't give it, it's bad. But also as a steward, when I give something that don't belong to me away that he didn't tell me to give away, it's also bad. So if I'm giving out of jealousy or envy or competitive spirit because I think I have it, I must remember that I don't own it. I'm just keeping it in trust for him. So when I give something that I'm holding in trust for somebody else away, when he has need of it and say, Banco, now, now, now I want you to give X, Y, Z and do this and that. You, can, you don't have it any longer. Why? So you're still a bad steward. That's why this issue of hearing God, knowing him, having a relationship with him is a foundation that must not be tampered with. Amen. Yes. Benga. And then Pastor T. Does that help, sir? Yeah. I'll just give two instances of my own experience. Yes. We got married in 1997. And sometime around 1998, uh, she was carrying our, you know, uh, first child. And she didn't have a car. That she was, you know, I had uh, an official car that I was using, but we had only one car in the family, so I began to save up money to get her a car. And that money was complete. I had gone to see the car at Lanreshi <laughs> 2. And I told Elijah Shitu that I was coming on Monday. Please speak to his mic, yeah. I had told Elijah Shitu, keep that car, I'm coming on Monday, on, right, to come and give you the check. Those were not the days of transfer. So I'll come on Monday, and I'll come and pick that car. It was a Mazda 626. Ah! <laughs> Serious! Metallic blue. <laughs> I still remember that car. Do you see the memorial? <laughs> and I told her, on Monday, you're going to have a car. Because a car owner. Yeah. <laughs> because you can imagine she was pregnant, and she had to go around on a car. Come Sunday morning, I was going to church. I had not gotten into the service. And then, he, I mean, this thought caught my mind. You know, you could call for an offering in church. You know, what has that got to do with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what has that got to do with me? <laughs> I didn't even, I mean, it was just a fleeting, you know, thought. And then, lo and behold, we got to church that Sunday morning, and there was this call for offering. And God said to me, that money, hey, right? <laughs> I said, no, God, believe me sincerely, I was struggling with this thing. That was on Sunday. I was going to the office on Monday. I remember the exact place I was. In the Kejajiri. When I was negotiating with God. And you Can know, this cup pass over me? Exactly. <laughs> and I remember the exact spot I got to when I said to God, but God, you know my wife needs this car. 
And immediately I heard him as clear as, as clear as a whistle. Your heavenly father knows you have made. Mm. Oh my God. Mm. At that point, I said, okay, so I didn't show up at, at, at Elijah Shitu's place in Atonipan. The yeah. next Sunday, I wrote a check for that. But you see, I tell you something. When I was putting down that check, I was groaning. I was groaning. I mean, let me not lie. It didn't pay me. <laughs> I mean, it was painful. Jeez. But as soon as I dropped that check in the offering basket, there was this unusual joy that came. Amen. 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 Now, the rest, I will tell you what happened. It wasn't up to two weeks afterwards. Then I was driving one, you know, there's this Honda Accord, they call uh, Pure Water. <laughs> two weeks later, after this encounter, my boss called me in the office and he said, you know, you know we have to change your car, you know. And went to Lanre Shutu. Bought a brand new Nissan Primera. And said, you know, the one that you're driving now, you can give it up to your wife, don't worry. You can just have it and give it to your wife. That is one. Two. No, no, seriously. I just want to make you, you guys heard it. Because I was telling you guys, uh, I, I don't know if it was this past Sunday or Sunday before, maybe even here, how many connections correlations, rather, between giving and something miraculous. Yeah. You guys heard me say it? Yeah. This is a fact. Now, I am not saying every time you give that there will be a miracle. No. That's not what I'm saying to you. But I'm telling you that God specializes. He just wants to win us out of our own dependency. Yeah. If he went to Elijah Shaitu and picked up that Mazda 626, He'll be able to say, ah, Kenny, see, see what I've done for you? See how I've blessed you? He can use that to torment her. When the food is not ready, I bought you a car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It becomes a, a bragging right. And God wants to remove all of that because now, based on what happened, he, he cannot claim any credit. God gets all of the glory. I mean, how many times, how many times have you gone to work and your boss says, I'm going to give you a car? Anybody here? Ah. So I don't want you to, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you guys to just hear that and miss what God is saying to us. Trust in the Lord. Now, let me put it right here. Did I trust God? I'm not sure. But did I want to obey him? Yes. Right, I was just, okay. It's not the theology of it, but the experience of it. And based on that encounter, your comfort level, your trust level, it changes. Is it, I mean, if the next time you hear God about doing something like that, you know it's good. <laughs> now, I'm going to give you the second example. Yeah. It was a Saturday morning. I was worshiping God right on a Saturday morning. Now, before, there was this, my father is Methodist. And there was this uh, Methodist church that he founded when he was getting old. And he was very passionate about this church. And I used to make fun of him. There is one church there. Why do you want to start another church? He said God told him to build that church. And I, all the time he was alive, 
because that was in the twilight of his days, I will always make fun of him. When he says, help us, give us money, I forget this thing they are doing. So the man died in 2003. And what he was just able to build was a shed. They would just go there, fellowship, and they would Sunday service. So Saturday morning, I was worshiping. And God spoke to me clearly. He said, that church... The one no, he, didn't, he didn't say build it. He said, I can't remember exactly what he said. No, he said, yes. I said, I don't even, I've not even bought land in Lagos to build my own house. Amen. I, I said, so where do I start from? Where, where do I start from? No, I think he said, I mean, I want to draw a plan for that church. So I called one of my cousins that is an architect. I said, draw a plan. He was, you know, not doing the thing on time. Then eventually he came with the, I had the plan there. Then he said, I want you to build it. I said, are you for real? Build what? I don't even have, I've not even bought land to build my own house. It didn't make sense to me. But then, step by step, so the plan came. So I said, what next? He said, go and lay the foundation. So I went to lay the foundation. At the time I laid the foundation of that house, right? <laughs> How do I put this now? Again, my boss comes to me. And he said, the house I'm living in, do you like it? I, it's because you remember the first time it, when he bought that house, he took me there. I said to him, I said, I like this house, and I think this house belongs to me. He said, you are mad. He had not moved in. I said, I'm going to buy this house off you. So when he, was, when he was moving to another place, he said, I remember you said you like that house. He said, do you still like it? I said, yes, I told you. He said, let's talk. This is how much I bought it. Right? This is how much I want to sell it. Let's negotiate terms. From the time I laid the foundation. So he says, okay, I'll move out of that house. You move there. And then, you know, you will have said what we have. And Pastor Bank was, I mean, you saw that church building. Very nice. Very, very nice. Did you so, go with me? Oh, okay, yeah. Sister Sean. So, you see, the point I'm trying to make is, Pastor Bank is right. I gave you one example of a car. I'll give you another example of house. Now, I don't, I don't know what the next one is. But like, like he said, you see these things? After this things. Amen. Pastor Tosin. Amen. Okay. And my prayer for all of us is, I don't want us to just hear small testimony, Pastor Ibeke's testimony, and don't get a chance to develop to have our own testimony. Because that's not, what, that's not God. He wants all of us. I mean, listen. He's a good God. He's just saying, listen, would you trust me with your life? Would you relinquish the control of your life to me? Would you let me lead you the way I planned and ordained it from before you came to this earth? That's all he's saying. And we know that the kingdom of God functions by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I do not know anyone that's given anything of which God tells them to give it. That they are lavishing and say, ah, oh, God is not faithful. I don't know that person. We can never beat giving God, ever. But start where you are. Don't try to go and give the money for a car if you've not given a bicycle. That's the point. God is progressive. Like I told you guys the other day, I've never sold everything and given everything to God. But I know, I know friends of mine have done so. I know friends of mine have done it. You know? Pardon me? 
Yeah, but, but I've not sold all. I didn't say give me a car. I said, thank you very much. I said, <laughs> 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 I said, I said, sold all. <laughs> I said, sold all. You know. Now, let's close on this. Let's go back to small. How, how did you and your wife manage that situation? And the reason I'm asking this question is, in a situation of, of a household, husband and wife, so God speaks to you. Now, if your wife says, are you crazy? Why are you going to give the money for my car? I mean, how irresponsible are you? Blah, 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 blah. How? I mean, no, seriously. Potentially, that can be a huge Kenny, Kenny, you bought the bronze now, so you talk. Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys manage that? For me, if I can, I'll try to remember. But actually, there really wasn't anything to manage. I must be sincere because it's like God said you should give it. It's a no-brainer. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to say. Now I'm really being sincere. It wasn't an issue for me. Give the check and that's all. Okay. Is there any man here who that would be usual for if you go home and say, God said you should give your car away, the money for the car? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I think it's. It, 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 it wasn't yeah, an I, issue. I believe you. I believe you. I, I believe you. Totally. I'm just trying to find out how you guys walk through that process. Is it because I, both of you are spiritually compatible to what? where you guys both trust God? Both, you guys are hungry for God? I, I mean, I, I think it's a case of. Uh, okay, do you understand the potential problem it could be? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, it could be a potential problem, but I think it's also because, you know, even though, yes, we are a couple, but I have to develop my faith in God. It's personal, and he too has to develop Correct. his faith in God. And, well, it, it must just have been God, because maybe, I don't know how to explain it, but honestly, all I can say, it was not an. I didn't even. I didn't even think about it. We didn't have a conversation. I'm sorry. I mean, there was not even a conversation on what happened. It was just okay, and that was it. We never had a conversation. I'm not God. But God believes in the health of a family. So for God to have told our brother to do that, God knew the wife also. Because it's the kind of thing that can lead to divorce immediately or separation. <laughs> no, the, the quarrel will happen in one minute. In the next one hour, somebody is moving out. By next week, they have gone their different ways. It's not even in the U.S. We are talking of a car in Nigeria. Yeah. It's something else. Yes. Car in Nigeria is something else. Yes. So, God knew the wife because God will not scatter families. So, that is what I think. Amen. Yes. 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 to the wife and it became a very big issue so I guess my own question which I will have a comment later is in that case are we saying God did not know the wife you get what I'm saying and so what do you do in that situation um, is, a, is, a, is a question how does a man go forward and the woman is saying to you if you know if you know the house you come from, and if you know you want to sleep in this house tonight, you, you do it. You know, it's like the typical Nigerian mother. Just do it. And let's come back to this house. Uh, it's true. I mean, I, I'm being honest, Pastor. I've seen situations where the wife would not talk to the husband for months, move to a different room, for months, called all the family in Nigeria, was reporting, I mean, it's just crazy.
And by the way, it could be the other way around as well. God could be speaking to the woman to give, and the husband said, are you crazy? You give it moving with them. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Move to the pastor's house. That's I didn't want us to overlook that. Because that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's something that's happened even as we speak. It's going up in homes all over the place. It may not be a car, it may not be a house, but I am certain couples are having this hard conversation about giving. I mean, we, we know that even, even the, just 10%. A husband gives 10%, the wife is fighting over, over that, or vice versa. Yeah, so, so um, yes. I have to say Abraham did not tell Sarah, but the reason I'm saying that, first of all, you understand, there's no chapter and verse for that. I want to make sure you guys understand that. But the reason I'm making that presupposition is because of how Sarah responded when God said, you have a child. He laughed at God. <laughs> you God. <laughs> you are God until you say this. Ah. <laughs> uh, he told, she told her they discounted God. And oh, no, I didn't lie. So, in, in a way, in a way, we see the carnal aspect of Sarah clearly in that whole transaction. But I'm sure Abraham did it without telling her, confident that he would bring Isaac back home. Didn't Abraham, wasn't he, I mean, um, you look at his faith in the beginning, I mean, his response was similar. Correct. After the experience, you think that um, Sarah's faith would have been increased. Yes. Right, I mean, I mean, I don't know if, if she, she's the mother, but if you look at um, Abraham's, Abraham's thinking, because God had made these promises to him about his son and then told him and killed him. Like he said, he'd had to he'd had to raise him up. He'd, yes. he'd had to do something because of that level of faith that he had in him. Yes. You can't distrust that the same level of faith wasn't in Sarah. No, I, I, and that's why I said I don't have a chapter on verse. I don't have a chapter on verse to say she didn't have the faith. But I'm just first of all, we must understand the context and the culture of that time. Yes. That time was not a Me Too era. It was a male-dominating, domineering culture. Where, the, unfortunately, the woman's opinion didn't count for much. Unfortunately. Back in that day. So Abraham, for sure, he could easily do that without any problem. Yeah, without any problem. Okay, yes, you have something? Yeah, okay. Pastor, I think for me, at the end of the day, everything boils down to what you initially started out with um, from Psalm 9, yeah. which is getting to know God. Um, my favorite part of the scripture when it comes to that is 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, the Macedonian church. And this is what Paul said of them in verse 5. He said, not only as we had hoped, yep. but they first gave themselves yep. to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then to us yes. by the will of God. Amen. So it, it just boils down to, to the degree that we have that intimate relationship with God. Yes. It is to that degree that we are able to release ourselves. The Bible says in, I think, Isaiah 32, that a generous man devises generous things. And by generosity, yep. that person is established. So yep. it really just comes down to that. Yep. It is that intimate relationship with yep. God. Yeah, And that intimacy, you just don't get there overnight. It's a progressive, daily nurturing and growth and development. And that's why each day we should take the time before God 
talk to him, read his word, get to know his nature, get to know who he is. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right, Pastor Abike, let's go. Hallelujah.